Michael, this is all very confusing. Unless you've been living under a cave for the past few months, you know that 2022 has been a volatile year for markets. Investors working with professional money managers usually expect to see activity in their investment portfolio pick up during times like these in order to adjust for a constantly changing market. But when they don't, they often start to question if their money is being properly cared for. In today's episode, we're going to discuss a major misconception in investing, that increased market volatility requires an increase in trade activity. I'm Remy Bartolotta, and this is On Markets, presented by Darwin Asset Management and Darwin Wealth Management. With me today, I have Chief Investment Officer Michael Sorrentino and Senior Financial Advisor Michael Bartolotta. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to shout out on the show, email comments at onmarkets.com or hit me up directly at remy at onmarkets.com. And if you like the show, please hit the follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, iHeartMedia, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. So Tino, let's cut right to the chase. Does market volatility dictate higher trade volume? You're going to hate my answer. I already know what your answer is. <laughs> yeah, it depends. It always depends, right? I mean, I, I would say that it depends on your strategy. I mean, if your strategy is one that is built off of momentum, okay, if it's built off of kind of the, the volatility and the day-to-day movements, then most likely, yeah, you should start seeing increased trade uh, trading activity. And, and honestly, that's, you know, volatility is a, it's kind of a feedback control system where volatility begets more volatility. And it's because of that. There's a lot of traders out there that are looking for volatility and they make most of their money during volatile times. Now, flip it around. Let's say you're a, uh, I'm just going to make this up. Let's say you're a, you're a, a dividend growth manager, right? You're looking for stocks that not just pay dividends, but grow those dividends over time, which has been one of the most successful strategies in the history of the stock market. If that's the case, then volatility is going to be, it's going to be noise. It should be noise unless that volatility somehow ties back to your company's being able to support dividend growth going forward. It just depends. So, Mike, you may look at this from a different point of view. You're actually sitting with clients on a daily basis. Well, there's no question. I mean, the reason that we're doing this, this episode or this topic on this episode is because we've been experiencing a lot of people calling right now. And, you know, they, they call because the market is volatile. They, they see, you know, big drops, and which, which, you know, I think stick with them a little more than the big gains. And, and they, they call, they're looking for comfort. And, and the question that I get, almost immediately is, you know, with what's happening with the market, you know, it's, it's not going well, what are you doing? You know, and they're, they're looking for a very definitive answer. And I think what they really want to hear is, oh, well, don't worry, we're, we've moved to cash or we're sitting on the sidelines and we're going to get back in right at the right time. I, I think logically they know that, that that's not what they're going to hear, but that's what they want to hear. And quite honestly, that's what I want to say too, but it's it just, you know, it's just not real. I think they equate trading or some sort of action with comfort and with some sort of result, right? It's very difficult for someone to watch, you know, the balance of their nest egg swing dramatically up and down without feeling like someone is at the helm every second, you know, watching every movement and and making these adjustments as it goes. And like Tino said, if it, if you're in a tactical model or a tactical strategy, you know, th- there is some of that, but for the most part, it doesn't happen quite that that quickly. And it's difficult for people to, to sort of live with that, right? It's like anything else. I mean, it, it, I look at it from their point too. If, if I see my balance bouncing up and down, I want to feel like somebody's doing something about it. But how much of this do you think is just setting the right expectation up front? And even if you do, does it stick anyways, right? Because the majority of people I would assume that you're meeting with are investing for the long term, right? We're, we're not talking about people that are coming in and, and investing for a year or two years. These are people that are investing for five, 10 plus years. 
Yeah, it, it, an enormous amount of it is about setting the right expectation. And quite honestly, most advisors don't do that. And, you know, I end up having to use analogies to try to, to, to walk people through it. I say, look, you're in this for the long term. You're not living on these investments right now, which most of them are not. Think about your house, right? The value of your house you know, goes up and down. You're not going to buy and sell your house based on what the market is doing, what the, the real estate market is doing. This is really the same thing. You know, it's going to be down at times. It's going to be up at times. If you have the right strategy in place, right? If you live in the right neighborhood, the value of your house is going to go up. If you're allocated properly, the value of your portfolio is going to go up over time. So I try to use that analogy to sort of make people see it a little bit differently, but you know, it's difficult. So I'm curious, is there a standard for when you should expect to see trading in your portfolio and when you shouldn't? Meaning, not necessarily is there a standard for what's happening in the market, but for, is there a standard for your portfolio? If I have X type of portfolio, I know that I should probably not worry about volatility as it relates to short-term movements. But if I have Y portfolio, maybe that is something that I should be concerned about. It goes back to setting expectations to a certain degree. Most money managers will have a relatively good idea of what their trading or turnover in the portfolio should look like on an annual basis. You know, we, we run a fair amount of fundamental strategies and those tend to have lower turnover. And I'm, you know, I'm making the number up here, call it 20, 25% a year or something in that, in that range. A lot of times you can find this information either through your advisor on a fact sheet or some type of sales brochure. A lot of strategies you'll run into have turnover that is significantly higher, 100, 150, sometimes even you know, five, 600%. So a lot of times that can help setting the expectation early. Uh, but uh, to, to Mike's point, setting ex- expectations is one thing. You got to maintain those expectations over time. And that just comes through a lot of handholding and through the financial planning process. So as we've talked about so many times on the show, uh, the three of us have all been invested in crypto for many years. And in that world, you know, 10, 15 point swings happen on a daily basis. So over the years, I feel like you get a little bit desensitized and you, you sort of carry over the norms and the expectations of the crypto world into traditional financial markets. Now, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I think we could argue both sides of that. But uh, my point is that over time, I've learned to not look at my portfolio so often, right? I know that I'm invested for the long term and that I'm going to see this volatility. I'm going to see these ups and these downs and, and all kinds of swings over the years. And that ultimately, it really doesn't matter because until I actually withdraw the money, it, it's sort of irrelevant. I, I might go days, weeks, months, you know, six months without even looking at, at what's going on in, in my portfolio. What I'm curious about is can you teach that without actually experiencing that, right? Mike, and this is specifically for you, when you sit down with a client, can you set that expectation and can you teach them not to look at their portfolio and to realize that over the long term, their goals are still being achieved? I mean, is that realistic or do you just need to suffer through some volatile times before your, your emotions are tempered enough to, to withstand some of this volatility? The problem is the average investor can be, you know, a lot of different things. Some people come in and, and have that expectation. Actually, this week I've, I've met with a number of people that actually had the right expectation. It was like, you know, I don't look at this thing every day. I look at it once a quarter and, you know, that's, that's what I pay you guys for. And I'm not terribly worried about it. I know there's going to be drops and, and over time I know I'm going to be fine. But occasionally I get somebody that literally will look at it every single day. And some people go as far as to like charting it. Like I, you know, I had somebody come in a couple of weeks ago that was really the opposite of what we're talking about, was concerned that we were trading too much because he's having trouble tracking all of the trades in his spreadsheet. That guy literally tracks every single trade that we make in his strategy, in his spreadsheet. So, you know, you have to be, you have to be able to pivot a little bit 
you know, if you're in my seat, because you have to be able to address both of those kinds of people. I would say most people fall somewhere between those two. And those are the two extremes. But, you know, it's a different expectation with each person, right? If somebody is going to, to look at it and track it every single day, you, know, you spend an awful lot of time making sure that they understand if this is not a, a tactical model, if this is something that's long-term, you almost get them to think about it in terms of, you know, if you want to do that, maybe you take a little piece of it and you put it in a tactical model, you track that and you put this other piece aside for long-term and you don't worry about it so much. And sometimes people are happy with that and they'll do it. But if somebody's going to track it that closely, you know, it can be, it can be difficult because every movement gets scrutinized. You know, I'll just say real quick, Remy, what you said earlier was interesting. You know, your, your, your investment style or in terms of how you look at your portfolio, you know, we've joked around a lot of times here uh, internally that you know, the key to success in investing is forgetting your password to your online brokerage account. And I think that as much as we're being satirical about that, I think there's some truth to that. You know, I feel like a lot of times the less you look at something, uh, the more successful you'll be just because it prevents you from doing bad things at the worst possible time. Sure. I, I guess the, you know, you really need to have trust in your advisor, however, if you're going to do that. Right. And, and I can see where that's, that's a challenge. If the perception is that there's a correlation between volatility and trading, I would think that there must be advisors out there who understand this and use that to their advantage, right? Advisors or money managers who say, you know what? I know there's volatility in the market right now. I know my clients are going to be concerned if they don't see some sort of activity. And regardless of whether or not it's appropriate, they make trades anyways, just to appease the client. You know, Remy, I'm going to jump. I know you're probably expecting Tino to answer this, but I'm going to jump in on this one because as we've talked about on the show before, you and I in the past have been in the, uh, in the wholesale end of, the, of this business, which means that our, our clients were advisors. So over the years, we've dealt with many, many advisors and, and really sort of dug into their businesses. And it's staggering how often, you know, I would see an advisor literally making trades just for the optics, just to, to pacify clients. You know, the client wants to feel like something is, is happening. So the advisor may, may swap one position for a, a similar position, which really has virtually no impact on the, on the strategy for the optics of, of, yes, look, I'm doing something. It happens all the time. You know, it's funny too, because it's always shocked me that advisors go down that path because yeah, it's, it's very easy to do smoke and mirrors and play those tricks. On, I won't call them tricks, but they kind of are tricks on clients, but they're so obvious to the professionals and frankly, to the SEC. I mean, I, to, to, to swap one pharma company for another and say, you're, you're, you're training the portfolio, you know, those tactics are, are, are really easy to sniff out. So they might, they might appease your clients for a little bit, but for the longevity of a practice, uh, it, to me, it's, uh, it's not worth the risk. So is there a way for the average investor to identify when this is happening? Are there some, some key things to look for to say, okay, you, know, you just gave an example. If you're, if you're swapping one company for a similar company, is that something that, that the average person can look at and say, okay, I'm seeing a lot of this happening and, and maybe this is you know, unnecessary or maybe this is just to make me feel like something's actually going on here? That is very tough to do, I think, for the average investor. I think it goes back to a lot of what was said already. I mean, being with an advisor that you trust, I think it's very important, um, having a good rapport and good relationship. At the same time, again, knowing what you're invested in, I think is very important. You know, there's a, I, I, I like to slam 
tactical strategies quite a bit. And I don't mean to do that. It's just my, my nature is to be a fundamental investor, but there's some merit to tactical strategies. And I think that there, I think that it, it's just as important to be in a, with a good money manager as it is to also trust and believe in the story behind what you're invested in. And if you do that, if you have a good understanding of what you're invested in, a lot of times you can sniff out things that don't make sense. If you see a trade in your portfolio that's fundamentally driven and the manager or your advisor says it's because of the current volatility, you know, things like that may, may raise a, a, a few questions. But ultimately, uh, this, is a, this is a tricky thing for most investors because you're hiring professionals. You know, it's, it's like if you go to the doctor and I mean, how many of us really know if the doctor's doing a good job or not? It's hard to tell. I mean, I never went to med school. So I'm going to take this in a different direction for a second. You know, we say on the show all the time that clients need to trust their advisor. But I mean, how often does a, a client not trust their advisor? I mean, I would think all clients trust their advisor. Otherwise, they wouldn't be the client. Look, I, I, I take my car in to get fixed to, to, the, to the dealer. And do I really, truly trust the guy that's fixing the car? I mean, I don't really know them that well. I, I, I know the, the dealership by reputation. But I may not know the guy that's, that's sort of turning the wrench behind the scenes. I, I have faith in them as an organization that they're going to do the right thing, and I'm going to hope that they do the right thing. So I, I want to trust them. And I think that, that people sort of feel that way about advisors in general. I think that, they, that they, they trust to an extent, you know, and I think that they want to trust. But, you know, you, you do get people that, that will call in and question stuff. And it's actually sort of the reverse of what Tino just talked about. We talk about uh, swapping one position for another. Sometimes we'll get somebody call and say, hey, part of my portfolio is in this ETF. There's this other ETF that's got a lower expense ratio. And, you know, why don't you use this one? And they want a reason for it. And, and I think that is an indication that they're, they're sort of testing us a little bit, right? They're testing that trust a little bit. And as long as we have a quick answer for it, which we, you know, we always do, or Tino always does. I don't always have a quick answer because I'm not involved at that level, but, but Tino always does. And as long as he's got a, a good, quick, logical answer, you know, I think there's less of those questions going forward and it helps to build that trust. So in a situation when an investor is starting to question the activity in their account, they're not really sure if they can trust their advisor, I mean, what's the best course of action? Do they just stay the course and hope for the best? What I think they should do is call the advisor and say, look, you know, I'm uncomfortable with, with what this is. Whatever it is, too much trading, not enough trading, whatever it happens to be, you know, maybe we need to sit down for 45 minutes and, and have you reset my expectations and have you tell me what are we doing here and why are we doing it and, and what's the philosophy behind it? And make sure it's the right guy. Make sure it's the right philosophy. You know, we talked about this before too. A lot of times this goes back to the ability and willingness to take on risk. And it's really easy to, for, for a financial planner to determine the ability to take on risk. But the willingness, uh, you, you could take as many risk tolerance questionnaires as you want. It's all a guess, particularly on our end. It's, it's really hard for us to truly understand where a client sits on that risk scale. So a lot of times it's just a flat out guess. And, and to Remy, your point, a lot of times it takes a couple iterations to get that, that trust going simply because we got to get the risk tolerance uh, adjusted. So Mike's exactly right. I mean, if something doesn't feel right, the best thing to do is to come in and, and talk about getting an adjustment done. So is there a particular time or some sort of key indicator that an investor should look at to say, you know what, this isn't right. It's time to move on, find somebody new. Yeah, so you're asking when, when, she, when you should fire somebody, whether that's your advisor or, or it, maybe not your advisor, but whoever's managing the money, because most financial advisors don't manage money. They actually outsource it to third parties. When that happens, your advisor should be on this more than you, but it boils down to two scenarios. The first, and this is a tough one, continued underperformance 
versus whatever benchmark you're, you've, you've kind of decided upon. Now, everybody thinks the S&P 500 is the benchmark, but that's not the case. Most portfolios uh, are not benchmarked against the S&P 500 for many reasons. So, and then also furthermore, it's not just call it one month or, you know, one quarter or one year of underperformance. There needs to be, and I don't have a, a line in the sand here, but it needs to be continual underperformance uh, through both good and bad times. That's the first one. The second one, and this one is something that I think is a, possibly a little bit easier to, to sniff out, is a deviation from a strat- strategy or a mandate. So I came from the institutional world. And this, is, this was the number one reason why managers got fired. It was very rarely due to underperformance. It was because they changed their mandate or, you know, again, they were a fundamental manager that they started trading a little too much around momentum and trying to get cute around market volatility, uh, whatever it was. Once you break that mandate, once you tell people you're doing something and you're not doing that anymore, to me, that you don't even need to go through um, a kind of a watch list period. You just fire them on the spot. So what's the bottom line? So the bottom line, I'm going to go back to my quote database here. Uh, there was a legendary investor named Jim Rogers. He famously said that the most successful investors do nothing most of the time. He's being satirical. All right? Investors work very long hours. Uh, they spend a lot of time getting degrees and education, all those, all those fancy things that's required to work in this business. But if you optically look at a portfolio, it doesn't look like a lot's being done. And that fundamentally is a disconnect. Uh, between what we're used to doing. You know, you hire a CPA, they're typically really busy in March and April, or you hire somebody to re- renovate your kitchen, they're there every day with a you know, belt on and, and tools. So uh, this business makes it very difficult a lot of times to know if you're really getting your money's worth. Because again, I think it's, just, it's not just performance, it's also, are you getting what, you, what you're expecting to receive? So my point here is that the amount of trading has absolutely no bearing whatsoever on how hard a money manager is working. This podcast is created and presented by Darwin Asset Management, LLC and Darwin Advisors, LLC, collectively referred to as Darwin. Darwin does not make any representation or warranties and therefore takes no responsibility as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information contained in this podcast. Any tax or legal information contained in this podcast is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The information presented does not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there could be no assurance that any investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Information presented is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities mentioned herein.